You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. You're listening to Creative Quarantine. I'm your host, Angelique Roche. Today, we had an amazing conversation with Elsie Granderson, a sports journalist, uh, an amazing host, a friend of mine. You may have seen him on ESPN or CNN or read one of his columns or listened to his radio show uh, that he does every single day. And we had a great conversation about social distancing, the canceling of major gatherings and events, and how that impacts not only athletes, but also the industry around sports. And what does it look like moving forward as we push into a very new norm, a very new reality? And we also had this opportunity to talk about how athletes are dealing, what are the trends, how athletes are giving back, and they're helping folks right now who are dealing with unemployment, who are dealing with lost wages, and how he's adjusting, finding new content for his shows since there aren't sporting events right now, but also how he's staying grounded right now in this moment and really concentrating on family, as well as the priorities of checking on other folks and and what it looks like. But you know what? Don't take my word for it. You know what's coming next. Just I hope you enjoy the conversation. All right. We are live at Creative Quarantine. This is day nine. Day nine. Yep. And I'm here with... Again, I, I I say this every day, but you are one of my favorite people, uh, my my one of my colleagues, uh, but also like a, an extremely dope host, radio, TV commentator, sports journalist, uh, LZ Granderson. Hey, dude. Hey, but keep going. Keep keep saying. I all mean, the stuff and you got dope locks, and you know. <laughs> oh, girl, the locks. <sighs> the locks Let's, right now. Ah, we won't even talk about it. Uh, so for those out is there, head on right? it is head on right. It looks great. You are repping the U.S. Open because somebody needs to right now. Uh, let's get right to it. Like, seriously, let's have this conversation. There are no sports. There are no right. sports right now. I mean, unless you're talking about like you're playing PS4 and like FIFA <laughs> and NBA lot. Like there are no like there are no sports. And it's a very interesting thing because. And we were chatting about this, the way sports kind of ripple effect closed, like closed, shut its doors uh, because of COVID-19, because of fans and because innately sports are a form of entertainment, right? The, mm-hmm. And you are always going to have more than 500 people at a major sports event. <laughs> right. um, what are you seeing right now in the sports world? And like, what are you hearing? Because you know, there were some major things that have gotten canceled within the last I, four weeks. Yeah, you know, it's 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 really interesting. Um, and first of all, it's great to see you. Um, I was really thrilled for the invitation. I miss you like crazy. But as you know, on occasion, I will drop in on all of us who co-host, you know, Marvel Digital Red Carpet uh, Affairs, and just go. Did Silver Surfer really just do that? I mean, but did you see what Silver Surfer did in Marvel's Voices, written by our guest from Monday, Rob Markman? If you haven't, you should go read it. See, this is what I'm talking about. Like, You're I literally talk about these guys and gals, like, you know, like it's a soap opera. Um, and I love that I could parachute in and just get you guys all riled up about it. Like, Spider Woman, stop it, girl. We know who you are. Um, <laughs> uh, the sports world has been. Um, severely rocked in a very unique way. Um, whereas if you're, say, say you're doing a film that was in the can, well, it could still be worked on, you know, remotely. Mm-hmm. If you're a record producer or a recording artist, you can still work on your projects remotely. 
um, sports, you just can't. You know, in fact, there's a struggle for a lot of professional athletes just to stay fit because while we pay attention to the megastars who have a basketball court at the house, most of the NBA does not have an NBA court in their house. And most of, say, tennis players don't have tennis courts at home. They're still relying upon going somewhere to just kind of hone and stay in shape or either keep their timing together for the games that they play. And so all of a sudden now, not only are they not able to work and perform in front of fans, they can't even necessarily stay fit. So when the sports do resume, they're going to need a window just to get back in shape. Um, I recently spoke with someone who was talking with um, Avery Bradley, who was a shooting guard for the Los Angeles Lakers. He not only doesn't have a court at home, he doesn't even have a rim up in his garage. And he says he hasn't shot a basketball in like over two weeks. So... When we do get back up and moving, not only is there going to be an issue in terms of coordinating the schedule so that we can get as many games in as possible for like the NBA or maybe tennis, but it's also this window in which players have to find time to actually get back into shape to even perform at a high level. Yeah, and that's really interesting because it actually brings up the other thing that we were talking about a little bit earlier. You you have a lot of folks, particularly collegiate athletes, because that's the that's the other thing folks aren't talking about. Um, can you hear me? Do we do we lose sounds? Uh oh. Technology. Can you hear me now? I love you. Can you hear me now? Okay, so my mic is unmuted. Can you hear me now? All right. How about By now? By the way, I love you your hair me? color. I'm not sure if you can oh, thank you, hear me or not, but I actually it, love the hair. I can hear you. Fantastic. This is great. This is, this is, our, our <laughs> this is awesome that I can see you but not hear you yet. Let's see. I just took my headphones now? off. So maybe, oh, so I took the headphones off. So maybe that helps. And then plug them back in. Can you hear me now? How are we doing? I got I you. Okay. All right. Perfect. Yes. Um, I yes. love technology. So... Um, so what we, what I was saying was there's this other conversation um, of these two big issues, which is collegiate athletes, right? We were getting mm-hmm. ready for the, for you know the playoffs and the finals, and you're talking about seniors who are being scouted. You're talking about drafts. You're talking about all these things that are now on hold and postponed, and you never they never really know because not only were they told you're not going to be playing, but when they got back to college, they're like, so you also have to go home. Yeah. Uh, and and then you have the other big, huge question, which is people who have been working their entire lifetimes for the Olympics, uh, who have now been told, you know, it's postponed and next year, we're sorry. Uh, and, and while this does not in any way, shape or form, like override the fact that social distancing is important, self-isolation is important, we have to stop the spread. What have you been hearing from athletes? Uh, because I know you've still been having conversations. You've been still um, being a sports journalist in the, in, the, in the midst of all of this. That has mm-hmm. not stopped. Yeah, so I host a, I co-host a four-hour radio show Monday through Friday. And so even though there aren't games being played, we are obviously still required to talk and to talk about sports as much as possible. So I have interviewed quite a few athletes who have been quarantined, who can't work out, who talk about, you know, the frustration of not knowing when, all through the the prism of recognizing that this is bigger than just their sport. But again, unlike a lot of other professions, 
athletes have a very small window to actually perform their sport. You know, you could be an actor and like Samuel L. Jackson, you can keep it pushing well in past your 60s and be number one in the world. Well, that's not true for sports. You only get, you know, a finite number of years to actually perform your sport. And to your point, if you're an Olympian, you only get once every four years as an opportunity to perform your sport. And now it's once every five years. And there's going to be a big difference between 2020 and 2021. Someone who maybe didn't make the team in 2020 got just a little bit better. And maybe you got just a little bit worse. And if there have to be new trials, guess what? You may not be on the team. And it's like, that's an awful, awful thing to kind of digest. And we've seen other examples in which not being able to perform the Olympics when you are eligible has hurt people. You know, we've seen it in protests. We've seen it when countries have decided not to, to boycott and not to participate. Isaiah Thomas, the great Isaiah Thomas, you know, we talk about the dream team and how he was left on the dream team. Well, remember the Olympics, he was supposed to actually perform in or play in Isaiah Thomas's team. The entire Olympics were boycotted by the United States and he never got that shot. Yeah. So there are a lot of uh, tentacles in terms of how the cancellation of sports, regardless if it's a professional or amateur, has impacted um, these athletes. We don't get senior night. Imagine being a senior who, you know, you're in high school and, you know, you've been riding the bench. You've only played like 10 minutes the entire season. But, hey, at least you got senior night to go out with your parents and thank everyone for supporting you. And you don't even get to do that. Like, again, compared to the larger issue of the pandemic, it's minuscule. But when this is all said and done and you look back on how these things, how this impacted your life, that's going to be in a lot of athletes' minds, how they didn't get to say goodbye to fans, how they didn't get to perform at the Olympics. Or if you're LeBron James and the NBA season gets canceled, how you missed out or maybe winning a championship and now you're 36, 37 years old. Yeah, and that's a really interesting um, segment of it, right? Because now you're a lot of athletes are being faced. Because I, I think a lot of people forget that athletes are creative, right? There are there are plays that happen. They also have larger brands. They have you know their fashion stuff that happens. But also, like a lot of this comes from this agility, this imagination, this ability to push the sport further. Have you seen any trends with the folks that you've been talking about about what they are doing? Um, because there, I think there's two sides of the coin. Like we mentioned people who don't have access versus mm -hmm. there are some people who are finding a way. And have you, have you seen that shift yet? Like, is there, is that, is that the adjustment, uh, that you've seen some folks make? And is there anything in particular you've kind of seen that as a trend? I, I think the biggest thing is right now is that a lot of athletes that I've spoken to and you see online, they're trying to find a way to stay fit in terms of cardiovascular. You know, you can get on a treadmill and you can run it for like 5,000 miles. But the requirements of certain sports, a treadmill just can't replicate. You can be fit in terms of cardiovascular and then you get on a basketball court and the fast twitch muscles that are required for that and the explosiveness that's required for that, you just can't duplicate on a treadmill. So right now, only thing I've heard repeatedly is that they're just trying to stay fit recognizing that the other things like timing and fast twitch muscles and, uh, you know, your core, those things you're not going to be able to replicate by yourself, no matter how much equipment you have. You need the competition environment in order to really trigger your fibers to the extent that would actually duplicate a professional game. Yeah. 
So for you as a journalist, um, and how has this shifted your work and how, besides, you know, not having a game to talk about, uh, mm. or a match to talk about, like how has this shifted your work and how have you been able to adjust to continue kind of socially distancing, supporting this, the, what needs to happen to stop the spread of COVID-19, but also still being who you are? Well, first of all, shout out to the felon Joe Exotic uh, because of him and the Tiger King documentary series. My show this week has had amazing content. So we've gravitated less as a we moved away from being strictly a sports talk show to more of a talk show. Yeah. And so we've we've had some nice conversations about Joe Exotic and oh, Joe Exotic. Had, We've had a couple of athletes on who watches it well, and we, we've gotten into gossip. In fact, um, the background for my Zoom conversations is a big picture of Carol. And it's just like watching people's response when they see her. And it's so amazing. She had a hit put her out of her life, and she is still viewed as a bad guy in this documentary. It is so, so awesome. So human to beings. your point, human beings, so, so to your point, you know, we're getting creative with the kind of content um, that we talk about because we're four hours long and with no fresh games, you have to get creative in this way. Um, and what's helped is that having something like everyone's home, mm-hmm. having something like you're trying to homeschool, having something like a documentary or a TV show that everyone's watching, that has helped giving us content so that we're able to talk about these things. And then on the other side, particularly, you know, last month, because it was March, March Madness, we did a lot of bracketeering. Bracketeering, if you will, mm-hmm. you know the top sixteen Lakers of all time, you know the top sports movies, things of that nature that gets fans involved as us listening. It's still sports oriented, but you're manufacturing conversations uh, to try and create content. So you get creative, and just like with you, finding ways to adapt yeah. in this new environment. You know, we on the radio show and me and my column writing. I created a book club. So once every two weeks, you know, we go through a, a book that's sports connected and we, I talk to the author and interview the author on the radio and write a column off of it. And you just try to find ways to talk about your field when you don't have fresh content necessarily, you repurpose the old. I love that. Uh, what book are you reading right now? Cause I'm, now I'm curious. Rowdy, Rowdy the Roddy Roddy Piper story. Um, the, f- the first book was uh, Strong Inside, the uh, story about Walter Perry, who was the mm-hmm. first African-American uh, basketball player to integrate SEC basketball. Mm-hmm. And this one is on a wrestler from Canada. And uh, I'm open to suggestions, um, uh, but it's been please. fun. Uh, so for everybody who is watching right now so that you know you can ask questions live. Oh, we do have some comments. I'm hopping over. Um Someone says, hi, Angelique. I saw you when you came to Pittsburgh. Hi, Robert. Um, um, so I, 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 uh, you can ask questions by typing in the Facebook or uh, putting a comment in the chat on YouTube or in Twitch. We are on all those platforms right now. Uh, so if you want to ask a question live uh, to LZ, you can do that right now. Uh, I'm not so much on Twitter because I am balancing doing all of this. But if you ask questions on Twitter, I'm sure LZ and I will get to them as well. Oh. Um, LZ's like, I have my laptop. I'm, I was like, I'm going to pull up the Twitters right now and see um, what happens. I love how you mentioned this idea of being creative. But I also think there's this, this aspect of 
and I want to say creatively giving back. Like I believe, like especially in the MBA, was the first kind of public, like the public. Sorry, my dog yanked my my phone. Sorry. Was it Casper or was it? Was it, was, it, was, it was Rufus. Oh, it was Rufus. Rufus. I mean, Rufus. Yeah, just, Rufus looks like he's got a little mischievous side. Um, he does. <laughs> um, they were already giving back, right? Because I think that's the other aspect of what sports have kind of done, which is creatively kind of pushing back. Like, I believe it was LeBron who was like, I'm not performing in front of an empty arena. And it wasn't because he was like, the fans have to be there. It was more like, if the fans aren't there, then why are we there? Um, so creatively saying, shut it, just shut it down. Um, but also like, you know, young sports folks like in New Orleans giving money back to the arena workers. Like even before people I think understood how severe this was gonna get, how quickly there were a number of folks um, who were already trying their best to give back where they could, even without much direction of understanding the best way to do it. Have you seen that trend continue? Oh, absolutely, 100%. I mean, you know, it's quite shocking actually to know that the first line of defense from a sports perspective in terms of philanthropic, you know, addressing this is watching players donate six and seven figures and you hadn't heard anything from the owners who are billionaires who own those teams. Like the first wave, and I don't mean to throw, you know, call anybody out in particular, but it is quite amazing that when you think about, you know, Kevin Love, for instance, donated $100,000 right out the gate. Didn't hold a fundraiser, didn't tweet out and says, hey, we need to do something. He just wrote a check and says, let's get this moving. Zion Williamson is like 19 years old. Like, is it, he, this is his first season, right? Like, this, this is, is this, this is his first. He doesn't even have real money yet. Like, he's got real money in comparison to, like, the average American. And, like, Bernie Sanders probably thinks he's a billionaire or whatever. But in terms of, like, NBA money, like, he's just getting started. And he knew to right away to help the people who weren't as fortunate as him. So that's been amazing to see. Yeah. Now we're beginning to see more and more of the billionaires get involved in addressing this. You know, Mark Cuban, I want to say, was like first out the gate. But now there's a story that Robert Kraft, the owner of the um, Patriots, used the team jet to go and transport masks, more than one million masks to help. And we all know how important having that equipment, masks, gloves are for our first responders and our healthcare workers. So we're beginning to see more and more now the individuals that own these teams and own these stadiums get involved in trying to help. But right out the gate, athletes just got it. And, you know, maybe it was because for some of them, they aren't too far removed from living check to check themselves. And then they finally hit it big as an athlete. Or maybe they just understand it because they get to interact with fans a lot more than maybe the owners do. But mm -hmm. athletes understood it right at the gate. We need to help this. And one more thing that I thought was really cool is now watching leagues address the issues for their minor league players and their minor or developmental leagues. Those athletes mm -hmm. don't make nearly as much money either. No. And now baseball is making sure that minor league baseball players get at least 400 bucks, uh, I believe it's every month, which is not a lot of money. Or oh, it's 400 bucks every week, which in the large picture is not a lot of money, but it certainly is a lot better than nothing at all because those yeah. guys in minor league baseball aren't making hardly anything anyway. 
Do you predict that this is going to affect, I mean, I, I, I feel like this is kind of a pedestrian question, but do you feel like this is going to affect football? And like, what, what do you see that even, is anyone talking about that yet? Well, listen, girl, when they canceled Pride, I was like, everything's on alert. I thought you were going to say when they canceled Wimbledon. Maybe when you said they're going to cancel the U.S. Open. <laughs> this man goes, when they canceled Pride. When they canceled Pride. I was like, this is real. Because they canceled Pride, I think, I want to say like early March or late February. And Pride mm. is in June, right? So you had organizers of a parade going, we don't think this is going to be safe enough for us in three to four months. That's what that said to me. So if you're asking me if football is going to be delayed, I'm going to say yes. Because if you have tennis saying we're canceling Wimbledon, if you're having all these major concert festivals and all the money that's tied into it, and oh, by the way, the cities that are depending upon this revenue, it's got this revenue scheduled into their books or the local mom and pop shops that have this revenue scheduled to the books. If they're saying we can't get this done and they're like saying so three to four months in advance, then absolutely, football is yeah. going to be impacted. There's no way around it. But yes, girl, they canceled Pride. That's when it got real. Well, and I think you just brought up a really interesting, a really interesting statement I don't think anybody's talking about, which is in the microcosm of sports, right? Everybody thinks about the name. They think about the athlete. They think about the shoe deal. They think about Wheaties. They think about all these, the, the cereal boxes and all these things that folks get. But there is a major reason. Every time there is a major reason why cities and states fight over having sports franchises in their cities. And let's be real, like places like Cleveland, right? You're talking about there are three sports franchises literally, like literally in 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 a five mile radius. They're all they're all located in downtown Cleveland. And what does it look like for Fourth Street in Cleveland mm -hmm. when basketball is not being played, football is not being played, when hockey is not being played? You know, what, what does it look like when, you know, and in the collegiate games are not being played, right? Like, what does it look like for, for those arenas that are so much money and investment went into for the rest of the city? Um, and I think that's really interesting because folks aren't talking about that. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's one of those things that you get caught up in the first go round with just the initial shock of these events being canceled, right? Let's say that you're a, a restaurant owner at Wimbledon Village. Now, Wimbledon Village is not a large community. I know people think London, but Wimbledon is not actually located in London. It's like in a suburb. And that suburb is all about one thing, really, this two-week tournament. And you have people who own restaurants and shops that make the bulk of their money for the duration of the year in that two-week window. And now that window has been closed. And if you're a shop owner, if you're a restaurant owner, where is this lost revenue going to come from? The, the tournament has been canceled, not even postponed, canceled. That mm -hmm. money you were, you were budgeting is not coming to you this year. Like, that is absolutely devastating. And we have so many cases like that right here in the United States. But even beyond that, say you're a vendor, a T-shirt vendor, and during this time of year, it's where you sell the most T-shirts to help you pay the rent for not just this month, but the following month. That's gone. That is absolutely gone. And so 
Yeah, you're right. There are so many other aspects to sports being canceled than simply not having a champion or not being able to see your favorite players play. There's an economy that's happening that's impacting people who live check to check that when sports starts playing, they can't pay the rent, period. And hopefully, you know, whether whether it's the second round of the congressional aid that's coming or more local businesses that have billionaires who can afford to do so, hopefully they'll find a way to make sure that these places can stay open because it would be awful if next Mm -hmm. year this time you look outside the window and restaurants that you used to go to are gone and they're now just Subways and McDonald's because those mom and pop shops simply couldn't afford to stay open anymore because they didn't have the revenue they were depending on. And no, and no shade towards McDonald's and Subways. I need y'all, especially around 2.30, 3 o'clock in the morning. I am going to move on to another question. We're going to rehash this again because <laughs> I think this also goes into um, that competitiveness that we were talking about earlier. And we kind of talked about, we hit on this a little bit, but, you know, do you feel like, uh, and this is a question from Kat Calvin, how much does a year's delay of the Olympics harm affect athletes? Do you feel like some of the athletes are just going to drop? Do you, or do you feel like they're going to be like, no, I did this. I'm going to try to compete. Like, does this change the whole vibe of the 2021 Olympics? Well, for the athletes who had circled this Olympics as their swan song, you know, it's their, it's their swan song because they couldn't go one more year. So you're asking athletes that wanted to say goodbye if you can hold on for one more year. And for some of them, that answer may end up being no. You know, I, I had talked about um, talking with the Bryan twins, and they're the all-time winningest men's double team in tennis of all time. And they're retiring this year. And I'm sure the Olympics were on their schedule, but now it's been pushed off another year and they're not quite sure what they're going to do. And there are other athletes who this was their final hurrah, who were fortunate to be a part of this team that now are looking at like going, hmm, can I hold on another 365 days of the training, of the nutrition? I maybe wanted to start a family. Like you never know all the other things that they had planned. So it's not just simply about saying, well, I'll just do it next year. For some, they don't physically, physically have that option. Yeah. So for you, like what is sports, what, you know, even after this, and we understand COVID-19, we can stop the spread. We can get it under control. God willing, there is a vaccine. Uh, God willing, there's, there is an actual treatment that we get to that is actually successful for folks and that antibodies can be used uh, in order to stop the spread. Uh, but we are also losing a whole generation right now um, in some cases. Um, not everyone, but there, there is our higher risk generations that we have, especially in the entertainment industry, has, been, has started to get hit uh, really bad on folks who have pre-existing conditions and folks who are older. Um, what does sports look like in 2021 um, with that understanding that we, are, we, we may lose some of uh, the older minds that are now giving back to the younger generation, but also gatherings over 500. That is a sporting event. <laughs> like that's a sporting right. event. Right. Right. So we've had players uh, in the NBA, um, you know, have ex- ex- shared that they have been diagnosed with uh, COVID-19. Um, Rudy Gobert, Utah Jazz out of France, 
um, was the one that first got it kind of rolling in terms of disclosure and things of that nature. But we also had Sean Payton, who's the NFL coach for the, for the New Orleans Saints, and he was diagnosed with the coronavirus, and he is more along the lines of what you're referring to, a little bit older, a little bit more vulnerable. Now, we're fortunate that he came out on the other side, but what if this were to impact another beloved older coach, you know, and they're not able to come out of it? What is that going to look like? Unfortunately, um, for all the reports that I've seen and people that I've spoken to on the in the political side of things, as you know, I also work for, for CNN, mm-hmm. um, we're not quite close enough to getting a handle on the, on the spread. And everyone knows about the curve, but we're not quite sure where we are on the curve yet because we're still behind in the testing. And so we're not quite sure on the other side of all of this how many of our beloved older coaches that we've seen or coaches who may be obese because obesity also puts you at risk or coaches who are, as you're saying, dealing with pre-existing conditions, whether your immune system has been suppressed um, because of a virus or because you're a cancer survivor or you have diabetes, like all these factors go into your having a suppressed immune system. What's going to, what are we going to look like if some of the, the figures who have been beloved over the years become impacted by this or unfortunately pass away because of this. There's going to be, like with every other industry, there are going to be people that we're going to have to say goodbye to. That's going to be, you know, devastating. Uh, waking up this morning and seeing Ellis Marcellus um, has been impacted. That was hard. You know, I grew up on all of Spike Lee's movies. And the only reason why I know anything about anything is because of Spike. And Spike introduced us to the Marcellus family in a very big way. And ever since then, I've just been, you know, enthralled with the family and sort of awful. But at the same time, um, this is just sort of the beginning and it's like something I'm just gonna have to get used to for a while. Yeah. And I mean, and, and, and I think the interesting thing about it is, and I remember being 20 years old, uh, oh, not even old enough to, to not even, Lost you again. That's your wife. Can you hear me now? Why you do this to me? Uh-oh. There, we're back. We're back. You got me? Gotcha. Okay. I remember being, you know, 20 years old, not even old enough to drink, sitting in a little club <laughs> in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, and hearing Ellis Marcellus play for the first time. Wow. And and just it was just him. It was just a, a full night of just him playing the piano solo, wow. no accompaniment. And you know, it, it did it did hit very hard. And I think this is I think you make a very real statement, but also like a statement that should be followed by everyone, please stay home. Thank you, Sam Jackson, yes. for reading that lovely book, <laughs> Stay the Home. Because right. that's, you know, and I think it's I think it's 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 really it's it's really a testament. And I, I don't want to say because no one knew, no one could have predicted that perhaps Mardi Gras celebrations were a, pro- a problem because no one knew. Just like we really don't know where we are in the curve right now. We really don't know where everything is moving, everything is going. Do you, do you see us ever getting back to crowds of 10, 5, 15, 30, 100,000 people uh, at sporting events. Yeah, absolutely. Of course I do. You know, it's, you know, I'm not, I, as, as, as devastating as this is, I also don't think we 
need to become uh, handcuffed to recency bias. If we look throughout history, you know, we've battled through some things before. You know, the the Spanish flu, as they call it, the influenza attack in, back in 1918, you know, they played the World Series. They didn't cancel the World Series. There are hundreds of thousands of people dying all over the planet from the spread of this, and they played the World Series. Now, you can certainly question if that was a smart decision, and based upon today's environment, you could probably say no. Nonetheless, <laughs> nonetheless, they'd, life went on. Wimbledon, as I mentioned before, was only canceled once, and that was for World War II. It wasn't canceled because of the, uh, the, the flu. People were dying by the tens and hundreds of thousands, but they went on. So I got to believe that, yes, once things are flattened out, once you know, doctors around the world, whether it's World, World, World Health Organization or any others, the CDC or any other really respected health organizations, say that the worst is behind us. I'm not sure which sport is going to be. You know, I don't know if it's going to be baseball. I don't know if it may end up being football. But one of these sports is going to stick its neck out, its proverbial neck out, risk it, host it. People are going to show up. And then we're going to see a little normalization in terms of how we deal with this, very much in the same way we came out on the other side with some of the other pandemics and epidemics, where you're talking HIV, AIDS, or influenza. Yeah, and I think it's interesting. Uh, I've been asking the same question to all of the guests, you know, if there is anything that you hope would come out of this, right? Not not any any kind of development or anything that we shift as a culture and a society, what do you what would it be? Um, you broke up a little bit. Could you repeat your question? Yeah, I was saying if there's okay. anything that you hope that culturally comes out of this for us. Oh. What, what do you think it would be? Oh, man, I have so many. Um, I think number one is that we remember what it's like to spend quality time with loved ones. You know, like we don't forget what this quarantining has forced, allowed, blessed us with, which is quality family time. My godson is here because his mom is a nurse in Ohio. So we got him. Um because she was worried about him and justifying so. So he's been with us now. My son, I got him out of New York very quickly. He's been with me. He's been here in the house with us, you know, for like almost three weeks now. I live with my mom. And we're just trying to make the best of it. Um, fortunately, we live in a big enough house so that if somebody gets in somebody's nerves, there's a corner or a room or a bathroom you can hide in. But at the end of the day, you know, we've been blessed. And it's not a holiday. It's a tragedy. But we've pulled together. So I hope we remember that. Yeah. Number two, same themes. I hope we remember to check up on each other. You know, we've been checking up on each other on, on Instagram, on Facebook, texting. Hey, are you doing okay? Let's keep that going because you know what? It may not be COVID-19 next year, but it might just be I'm feeling a little down. Or it might be and I'm a little tight on money and I'm stressing out about it. It could be any reason why. And just knowing that someone cares about you can go a long way. Uh, number three... I hope this brings us back to reading. Uh, I've been reading a lot more. There's only so much Netflix, and I finished, finished Tiger King twice. Not twice. So, Not twice, LZ. Girl, listen, so here's the deal. And, you're, and, the, and the viewers are about to find out how basic I truly am. When I saw Joe Exotic pull in that guy, Travis, 
And I was like, I eat sushi and lettuce without any dressing, salad dressing. I work out in the gym. I groom. I do all the things that a gay guy is supposed to do to make sure that he's staying up and that the game is popping. And here comes Joe Exotic looking like a leather belt with a mullet. And he's pulling in outstanding assets. Outstanding. So I was like, I need to rewatch this. I need to understand the game. I've been doing the game all wrong. All wrong. Joe's out, all wrong. Joe, this is girl, Joe out here in Oklahoma killing the game. I mean. Killing the game. He's like, hey, boo, you want a tiger? And they're like, yeah. I'm not gay, though. I don't care. Neither am I. Let's just play with this tiger. See what happens. Bam. Husband. I mean, like, it's outstanding. So, yes. Yes, I'm basic. I watched it twice. Okay, first of all, I just um, don't want you to go buy a tiger, but you were saying something profound before we got there about <laughs> reading more. Yes, yes, yes. So, you know, there's only so much TV we can watch. Hopefully, you know, which is one of the reasons why I started the book club is because, you know, I want to just encourage people to read. Like this notion that, oh, I'm bored, there's nothing to do. I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, grab a Kindle and learn anything. Learn about current events, past events. For fiction, nonfiction, references. Like, there's so many ways to grow in this time period. I've been real fortunate that I've, you know, taken advantage of it and started reading more. So I hope more people decide to read after this. And then number four, and I think this is most important out of everything, is remembering our, our mortality. That, you know, every day is not guaranteed. And I know it sounds cliche, and I know every time there's a tragedy, um, you know, someone along the lines would say that. When Kobe Bryant passed away um, at the early, early in the year, back in January, um, a lot of us were saying, hey, you never know, you know, anything can happen. Well, now we've got hit with this message again in a very, very quick period of time. And so, you know, I don't think that's an accident. I think the universe, I think, you know, nature, I think life is just, finding ways to remind us that, yeah, it's fantastic to be able to do all these great things or buy all these great things or be on TV or whatever. But at the end of the day, we all gonna end up six feet under. And what are you doing to maximize your days when you're above ground? Because once you're under, it's a wrap. You don't get a do-over. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. All right. So to end on a light note, <laughs> I thought that was a light note. That was a light note. That was perfect. Because um, okay. I know, because I think that was perfect. Because I think it leads into the the very next question is like, everybody, you know, what is keeping you grounded at the end of the day for you? Day, in which you are at your house doing what the CDC has told us to do, so we can save lives. How are you keeping yourself uh, as a journalist, as a host, as a nerd, as a creative grounded <laughs> in this moment? Um, I break my day up. Um, my show is from 6 to 10 in the morning. So right away I'm up at 5 and I'm preparing and I'm doing the show. So that's five hours, check, done, every single day, Monday through Friday. Then it comes the part of homeschooling because I got a little one here. And like my son is helping to homeschool and I'm in charge of home ec. Um, so we made some chocolate chip pancakes, you know, right, right, right. Um, we're working together on learning how to play the piano. There's an app on the iPad. And so we're working on songs that um, the little ones familiar with. 
that just kind of gets his fingers moving in that direction. Um, before uh, we began, uh, he was working on a hip hop beat and I started dropping some, some bars, you know, freestyle. Let me find you know? out. Let me find out. I mean, I don't want to, I don't, I don't want to like take this thing a totally different direction. Plus it really wasn't that good, but, <laughs> <laughs> but it's just, it's just, a, you know, there are different ways to explore learning. And I'm I, obviously when you have an eight year old in the house, there's one way of learning that is really effective, but as an adult, you can go ahead and push yourself too. And so I've just been trying to find opportunities to just learn something, you know, just try to go to sleep with a little bit more information than what you woke up with. That's perfect. Elsie, for those who uh, want to find out about your book club, read the articles you have coming out, listen to your show, uh, send very nice comments to you <laughs> on, on the Twitters. How can folks follow you and get in touch with you on the interwebs? Well, I'm simple at LZ Granderson. That's for Twitter. That's for Facebook. That's for Instagram. And then on Grinder, I'm Chocolate Thunder Dreadlock Boy. I love you so much. <laughs> I love you so much. Oh, you are my sunshine. Uh, <laughs> Thank you so much, Elsie. For those of you who are Thank watching you. tomorrow, we're going to have Yatide Badake tomorrow. Uh, amazing actress for American Gods. This is us. She had like an amazing like cameo in Magicians this season. Uh, shout out to Magicians because we got a couple more of those actors who are going to be on Ooh, Creative Quarantine. This is one of my favorite shows. Uh, but thank you again, Elsie. And uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hit you up. I'm going to hit you up later. Creative Quarantine is hosted by Angelique Rocher. It's produced by Angelique Rocher, Sarah Storm, and Matt Storm. Our logo is designed by Aaron Leffler. New streaming episodes are available Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern and Tuesdays at 2 p.m. Eastern on AngeliqueRocher.com forward slash creative quarantine. Podcasts are made available the morning after each live streamed episode wherever you get your podcasts. Please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and visit us on Instagram at creative.quarantine and Twitter at creativequeteen. Please send this to a friend who needs a little artistic company and stay at home if you possibly can. We'll see you soon. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.